0: And take out your Bibles and open to the book of Romans one last time, book of Romans chapter 16. We're going to look at the last paragraph of chapter 16, which is verses 25 through 27. We began this series on the book of Romans back in September of 2020, a while back, God has been... Faithful to feed us from his word Sunday by Sunday, and I trust he will do it again this morning by his grace. In terms of where we're going to go next, I'm going to do a much shorter series on the last five psalms in the Psalter, Uh, the Hallelujah Psalms is what they're sometimes called, 146 through 150, because they all begin and end with praise the Lord, or hallelujah in Hebrew. So we're going to begin there in that series, and that'll take us through the new year into the new year rather, and then I'll begin a series on the Gospel of Matthew, which will be a little longer than the series on the Hallelujah Psalms, but we'll be getting into the Gospel of Matthew together. Very much looking forward to that, and uh, you can begin reading there as you like and and praying, and of course the Hallelujah Psalms as well, 146 through 150 prior to that. First, however, we're gonna finish Romans. Paul, human author of this book, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, ends on a high note, on the highest note there is actually, on the note of the glory of God. My study Bible says in one of the notes at the bottom, Romans could not end in a more fitting way as God's glory is to be the theme of Christians' lives and the joy of their hearts. God's glory is to be the theme of Christians' lives and the joy of their hearts. As Christians, we hear that, and I trust we resonate with that. We hear that and we say, yes, God's glory, the theme of my life, and the joy of my heart, I, yes, I want that, that's, that's what I desire. But we, we probably also think God's glory, the theme of my life, and the joy of my heart, that's not always how I live. It's not always how I live day to day, sadly. The theme of my life is often me instead of God. The joy of my heart is often created things, not the creator. I think we're all in the same boat when it comes to this. But this passage is here to reorient us. It's here to recalibrate our hearts and to recenter us on the glory of God which is the true center. So that his glory is really and truly the theme of our lives and the joy of our hearts as His people. That's what we're after this morning. So let's pray that God would do that in us by His word and then we'll begin. Let's pray. Lord, we do pray that you would center our hearts on your glory. We are prone to wander. Lord, we feel it. We are prone to leave the God we love and go after idols. So take and seal our hearts for your courts above, we pray. Recalibrate our hearts so that your glory through the gospel is the theme of our lives and the joy of our hearts, not just in terms of what we believe, what we profess, but also in terms of how we live each day. Make it happen in us, Lord, by your spirit, by your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans chapter 16, reading verses 25 through 27. This is the word of God. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen three points this morning, you can see them in your sermon notes there. First, gospel strength in the first part of verse 25, then gospel revelation in the second half of that verse and verse 26, and finally gospel glory in verse 27. And kids, don't forget the key words for kids at the top. You can listen for those words as you listen to the sermon. What Paul is doing in this closing paragraph of the letter is he's giving glory to God for the gospel. And first, he gives glory to God for how God strengthens us by the gospel. That's what we'll look at first gospel strength. Look again at the first part of verse 25 with me. Paul writes Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. God is able to strengthen us according to the gospel, that is, on the basis of the gospel or by means of the gospel. God is able to strengthen us by the gospel and by the preaching of Jesus Christ. And I think that can be an encouragement to us, of course, but also, first, a challenge to us. Not gonna be a challenge to us, to hear that God strengthens us by the gospel? Well, because it confronts us with the illusion that we are strong in ourselves. The delusion, really, that we are strong in ourselves. Perhaps we wouldn't say that we are strong in ourselves, but we do often live that way, don't we? Our prayerlessness is evidence of this, evidence of living in our own strength, We have many things other than God that we can draw strength from, perhaps our wealth or our credentials or our position in our job that we have or our political identity or our national identity or maybe the stability of our family, draw strength from that. Or maybe it's our beauty or our physical strength or our our athletic ability or musical talent our ministry maybe, our relationships, our hobbies, our possessions. All these things and many more can give us the illusion that we are strong in ourselves, that we are doing just fine on our own. But they're like a house that is built on the sand that is ready to collapse as the tide comes in. We are not strong in ourselves and I think this verse can challenge us on that. How do you need to be challenged on that this morning? In what particular ways do you live as if you were strong in yourself? Let this first challenge you on that. Not to live under the delusion that you are strong in yourself because none of us are. But of course this verse can also encourage us. I think that's where we, we go more instinctively because we do feel our weakness at times. We feel our physical weakness. We feel our our mental and our emotional weakness. We feel our spiritual weakness often. Sometimes we we just feel exhausted and overwhelmed by life, like the walls are closing in on us. We're not sure how we're going to make it through another day or another week. We're battling indwelling sin, and it seems like we're losing the battle. We're weighed down by someone else's sin and it's, it's draining our strength. Or just maybe the circumstances of our lives are such that every day feels like a marathon. We need strength and yet we lack strength. And therefore I think this verse can give us timely encouragement, needed encouragement. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, God is able to strengthen us who are weak by the gospel. When we recognize our weakness, we must also recognize God's strength. God is able, he is able to strengthen us. Psalm 121 verses one and two says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. If God is able to make heaven and earth, He is able to strengthen us in our weakness, is he not? He is all powerful, he is all able. He is able to strengthen us in whatever situation we are facing. You will never face a situation where God cannot give you strength to obey and to endure in the Christian life. You will never face a situation as a believer in which God cannot give you the strength you need to obey him and to endure your circumstances. And that's not because you are able, it's because he is able. He is able to give us strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow as we sing. His grace is sufficient for us, for his power is made perfect in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. When we are weak, he is strong. 2 Corinthians 12, 10. We can be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, Ephesians 6.10. We can be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, Colossians 1.11. He will sustain us to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is faithful, 1 Corinthians 1.8 and 9 and he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 6. We are impotent, but he is omnipotent. We are unable in ourselves, but he is able to strengthen us. But how does he strengthen us? Well, he strengthens us by the gospel. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. God doesn't strengthen us by pointing us to ourselves and our own resources. He strengthens us by pointing us to his son and to all the resources of his grace. Hebrews 13, nine says, it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. Philippians 4, 13 says, I can do all things through him through Christ who strengthens me. God strengthens us through Christ, through his person and work for us. He strengthens us by reminding us of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us on the cross, by reminding us that all our hope and all our security and all our happiness is in him, by reminding us that we are his and that he is ours, both now and for all eternity. We don't draw strength, true strength in the Christian life from being told that we can do it if we just try harder. We draw true strength from being reminded that Jesus paid it all. And Jesus obeyed it all also. And we have been cleansed by his blood and clothed in his righteousness. That is where true strength for the Christian life comes from. It comes from the gospel. It comes from Christ Christ. When your gas tank is empty, you don't push harder on the accelerator. You pull over and fill up the tank with gas. So when our strength is empty, the solution is not to push harder. The solution is to fill up our hearts with the gospel, with Christ. Then we will have strength to continue on our journey. God strengthens us by the gospel and therefore God gets the glory for strengthening us by the gospel. Like in 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. So we serve by the strength that God supplies, not our own strength, but his strength that he gives us. And therefore, God is glorified. He is the one who gets the glory. The giver gets the glory. We get the strength and he gets the glory. Now, to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. What Paul does next is he clarifies that that gospel was not discovered by man, it was revealed by God. Let's look at that now under our second main point, gospel revelation. Paul says in the next part of the paragraph that the gospel was basically hidden beforehand, but has now been revealed. And that was according to the plan of God, and it was in order to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations. Look again at verse 25. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now he's gonna explain how that gospel was revealed by God according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. First, Paul says that the gospel was hidden beforehand, but has now been revealed. The mystery that was kept secret for long ages refers to the message of the gospel that was somewhat hidden and shadowy in the Old Testament. But now, that message has been disclosed. That mystery has been revealed in the preaching of Jesus Christ, in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And through the prophetic writings, it has been made known to all nations through those prophetic writings being fulfilled in Christ and proclaimed to all nations in the gospel message. It's like what Paul says in Ephesians chapter three, verses four through six. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus, through the gospel. So the gospel was hidden beforehand but has now been revealed, Paul says. Secondly, he says that this was according to the plan of God. This was according to God's plan. He says in the second half of verse 26 that this was, quote, according to the command of the eternal God. It was according to the decree of God of the eternal God. It was his sovereign plan and his wise providence that this would happen. It was according to the plan of the eternal God, Paul says, the God who has existed at all times and has chosen this time as the fullness of time to send forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. So first he says that the gospel was hidden beforehand but has now been revealed. Secondly, this was according to the plan of God. Thirdly, this was in order to bring about the obedience of faith among all nations. It was in order to bring about the obedience of faith among all nations. It was made known to all nations in order to bring about the obedience of faith among all nations. As Paul said all the way back in chapter one, verse five, Through Christ we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. The obedience of faith may refer to faith or obedience or both. It could be the obedience of faith, the obedience that is faith or it could be the obedience of faith. In other words, the obedience that that flows from faith. So the goal of all this, the goal of the command of the eternal God, the decree of the eternal God, was to bring about the obedience that is faith and the obedience that flows from faith. That people would put their faith in Jesus and then walk by faith in Jesus throughout their lives. See, the gospel is a message that tells us about who God is and who we are and who Jesus Christ is and how to be saved from our sins. And the gospel calls us to repent of our sin and to believe in Christ for our salvation. So in one sense, to repent and believe is to obey to obey the call of the gospel. Not that we are saved by our obedience or by an act of obedience. We are saved through faith alone and not by our works. But in the sense I just described, when one repents and believes the gospel, one is obeying the call of the gospel. It is the obedience of faith. And if you're here this morning and you've never repented of your sins or believed in Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do so. I encourage you to do so now. You can do that right where you sit, in your seat. Tell God you know that he is holy and just and that you are a sinner who deserves his judgment. And tell him that you know that Jesus lived a perfect life that you haven't lived and died a sacrificial death on the cross that you deserve to die and rose again from the dead on the third day, victorious over sin and death. Tell him you believe that and tell him you need what Jesus did. You need his death to atone for all your sins and his life to count for your righteousness. Tell him you repent of your life of sin and you put all your trust in him alone for your salvation and he will save you and will give you the free gift of eternal life. Paul says the gospel was hidden beforehand but has now been revealed and that was according to the plan of God and it was in order to bring about the obedience of faith among all nations. All of this should humble us. It should produce humility in our hearts. We didn't discover the gospel. It was revealed to us. We didn't figure it out. It found us out by God's grace. And it was all according to the plan of God, not our plan. We didn't write the story, we were written into the story. God is the one who brought about the obedience of faith in our hearts and continues to bring about the obedience of faith in our lives. So this should humble us, this should produce the good fruit of humility in our lives. If we figured out the gospel, if this was our plan, If we brought about the obedience of faith in ourselves, then we could feel superior to others. We could look down on others, have a high view of ourselves, a low view of them. But that's not the way it is, it's the other way around, isn't it? God revealed the gospel to us, we didn't discover it. God is the one who decreed it from eternity past. It wasn't our plan, it was his. We didn't write the story, he did. And God is the one who brought about the obedience of faith in our hearts. And therefore to God be the glory. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Psalm 115 verse one. That's actually where Paul ends up in the last verse of Romans. Verse 27. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ, amen. So this is our third and final point now, gospel glory, gospel glory. God strengthens us by the gospel and God is the one who has revealed the gospel and therefore God is the one who gets the glory through the gospel. Paul says, to the only Wise God be glory. God is the only God, the only God there is. Are there more gods than one? There is but one only, the living and true God. And he is the wise God. He is perfect in wisdom, infinite in wisdom. As commentator John Murray put it, to him alone can be ascribed the wisdom exhibited in the unfolding of the mystery of his will. So you see why Paul refers to his wisdom here in light of what he's just said. Through all of this, we see the manifold wisdom of God, Ephesians 3.10. We say with Paul at the end of chapter 11, oh, the depth of the wisdom of God. To the only wise God be glory. All the credit goes to him all the honor belongs to him. All the praise should be given to him, and to him be glory forevermore, Paul says. Commentator Thomas Schreiner wrote, the most magnificent, magnificent thing of all is that the glory will never end. In human experience, glorious moments of aching beauty are temporary and evanescent, but this glory will last forever. It is for the ages, forevermore. The believer can respond only with an affirming amen. Amen. That is, may God confirm and bring to pass all that he has planned. Our chief end aligns with this, of course. Our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And to God belongs glory forever. So it's a match. All the glory belongs to God and so our purpose is to give him all the glory with our lives. His glory is to be the theme of our lives and the joy of our hearts. That's not always the case though, is it? As I said at the beginning, the theme of our lives is sometimes us instead of God. The joy of our hearts is Sometimes created things instead of the creator of the things. We often try to steal glory from God. Like the moon stealing glory from the sun in the children's book, Fool, Moon, Rising. But we merely reflect all that light. We don't generate all that light. Only God is the sun and our light comes from him. His glory is at the center, and we want our lives to revolve around him alone. So ask yourself this morning, is the glory of God the theme of my life and the joy of my heart? What things, what people do I allow to take the place of God in my heart and life? We all do this. What do I make my life all about? Ask yourself that. What do I treasure most in my heart? Maybe it's fun and excitement. Maybe it's the acceptance and approval of other people or certain other people. Maybe it's money or sex or power or health or family or security. What things, what people Do I allow to take the place of God in my heart and life? What do I make my life all about? What do I treasure most in my heart? Take some time this afternoon perhaps to reflect on these things and ask God to remove the idols from your heart and to replace them with himself. Because to him and to him alone belongs all the glory. You know, there's a phrase in the last verse that we actually haven't talked about yet. It's not like me to leave a phrase out. It makes all the difference, really. So as I draw this sermon to a close and this series to a close, let me say just a few words about it. It's the phrase at the end of the verse, through Jesus Christ. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. God strengthens us by the gospel and he does that through Jesus Christ. God has revealed the gospel and he has done that through Jesus Christ. And of course, God gets the glory for the gospel through Jesus Christ. Christ Christ should be the theme of our lives and the joy of our hearts. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Or in Philippians 3.7-11, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ, and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. The very end of the book of Second Peter, chapter three, verse 18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. That's why we exist. That's why God made us. That's why God saved us. So that we would know Christ. So that we would live for Christ in our lives. So that we might no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again for us. 2 Corinthians 5.15. To live for yourself, to live for the world, is to go against the grain of reality. It's not what you've been made for, it's not what you've been redeemed for. You've been made for the glory of God. You have been saved as a believer for the glory of God. To the only wise God belongs glory forevermore through Jesus Christ and to the only wise God we should give glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. And it is through Christ and because of Christ that we are able to do that. God is able to strengthen us through Christ so that Christ is the theme of our lives and the joy of our hearts. He is the best theme there is. He is the highest joy there is. So live for him. Make it your mission in life to glorify and enjoy him. And he is able to strengthen you by the gospel to live for his glory. To the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the book of Romans and for all you've taught us from it. Thank you for this final paragraph and for how it reorients us. Recalibrates our hearts, recenters us. We do pray that your glory would be the theme of our lives and the joy of our hearts. And we pray for that in Jesus name. Amen. Let's take a few minutes now to think and pray about what we've heard, and then we'll respond to the word by singing together.